Many of us grew up reading Dear Abby with our parents or grandparents. You remember that advice column that always seemed to have the right answers? On this week's episode of Goat Gab, Cameron and I spend some time discussing advice we've received or that we have given others, the good and the bad. We also take a dive into some whatnot. We're glad to have you join us. Welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to another exciting rendition of Goat Gab. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Cameron. And I'm your other co-host, Laura, and we're excited to be here this weekend. Lots of things happening this week for all of us. So yeah. we're kind of I'm looking forward to a little bit of a laid back session this week and kind of catch up and uh, sit around the tack pen and have a good old chat this week, I think. Yeah, I, I you know it's it's a different episode. We don't have a guest. Um, you know, we've both Laura and I have had some busy weeks here, um, either working to get some of our work stuff out of the way or to get some goat stuff out of the way so they can do more goat stuff um, this whole week here at convention. So um, both busy people, and um, this is a no guest. So um, if you like to hear just a talk and. Uh, you're going to get about an hour of it today. So yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, sometimes it's just good to kind of decompress and remind ourselves of the things that, why we love our goats and why we love um, talking goats with our friends. So mm-hmm. I'm wearing one of our um, bonfire t-shirts that I ordered Cameron. Okay. Good quality shirts. You know, when, when you have a third party doing stuff, sometimes you wonder, Oh, is this shirt going to be good? And it really is. It's soft and it's nice quality. And, um, so fun to wear a goat gab shirt. Awesome. Awesome. Um, if you're at convention, feel free to wear those. I'm sure Laura will um, be looking for you and thank you for wearing them. So feel free to wear one if you if you feel so inclined. Absolutely. Yeah. We should get a picture. Yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I will I will be wearing yeah. mine from afar. So <laughs> Yeah. I wish you were wish you were gonna be at convention, Cameron. I wish all of our yes. listeners were gonna be here. Yes. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm actually kind of okay not being at a convention with a lot of travel recently. I'm excited to be back at home and help bring the goats back up to kind of a, a homeostasis vibe. Yeah, it's hard when you're not home. You kind of miss them. And that's, I, I guess that's maybe my only downside to, to going to convention is I, uh, you know, I've got girls who do a great job with them, but you always wonder, huh? What's what's happening? What's not getting done? What if they miss a heat? You know, things like that. And you just got to. Yeah. yeah, it's good to be home for those kind of things. Yeah, absolutely there. But, I, you know, I we've got, you know, my dad being gone, you being gone, obviously. And now the kids taking care of the farm um, this week here. But it'll be good because my dad's had a couple busy weeks of himself there. Um, so we um, it's going to be a good time to just kind of reset the barn. I'm going to go get um, hay and grain. And I, we have milk test on Wednesday or la- hopefully our last milk test of the year, fingers crossed on that. Um, and then um, taking the dogs to get their shots, updated shots for the, so it's, it's a busy week nonetheless. So, and you just got back from your last show. I did. I did. I touched my last show in Louisiana and, and, I will tell you what, the the people in Louisiana, you know, I say this about a lot of goat clubs I'm at, the people are great, but I truly believe the people in Louisiana are some of the best people and they put on some of the best goat shows. They're well run. The people are friendly and fun. um, And we just, it's a really good time. So 
I'm always thankful to go down to Cajun country there and they make gumbo and gumbo is freaking awesome. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think back to my, to, to my brief stint as a judge and, and Louisiana stands out definitely in my mind as, as one of my very favorite experiences as a judge, because nice people just so friendly and, um, you know, well-run shows and nice to see the animals and then even nicer to just hang out and visit and um, enjoy them afterwards. So I'm glad, glad yeah. you had a good weekend. You want to know what was crazy though, Laura? What? I would say uh, we probably had 160 Nigerian dwarfs at that show between seniors, juniors, and bucks. Wow. That's a lot of yeah. goats. Yeah. A lot of Nigerian yeah. dwarfs. Love their little goats down there. They do. They do. Crazy there. But Laura, what, what's uh, what's going on at your place this week? Um, well, uh, some AIs that we're not going to talk about. Okay. I, is it, about. Are you suspicious about those kind of things too? I mean, um, a, you're little, like, a little bit. You, you peek not- outside and you don't want to look like you're looking, but you're looking for the, you know, wagging tails or does hanging at the buck pen and, and, like, but you don't, you know. Don't be suspicious. Like I'm, you know, you know. Like I'm not gonna be like I'm not going to post on Facebook at 22 days that a goat is past their AI. You know, if that makes sense. Oh yes, because you know that that is a surefire way to get them to come back into heat. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not even talking about right. our AIs that are, are are in progress. We'll call them that publicly. Yeah. We're not talking about them. Right. No. So we're not going to talk about them. So, yeah. um, (laughs) but I've ultrasounded some goats and, and, you know, this is year two with the ultrasound. So I'm getting a little bit better. Um, the goat production, I think the goat reproduction app that I've mentioned before, and I think we put a link to it on our, um, goat gab site at one time. I just discovered it has this advanced feature that when you, like put in that you made a breeding, it automatically populates to your calendar when to pull blood, when to ultrasound at 45 days. And you can set that whenever you want it, but 45 days, maybe to count kids when to give your pre-kidding shots. And then of course their due date. So that's been kind of fun and um, have seen some, seen some babies on ultrasounds and can kind of count. So I'm writing down what I think I see so that I can tell myself if I'm right or not when they actually kid. So that's an awesome double check though. Yeah, no, I think so too. And of course, uh, you know, Missouri and and Illinois, because you're pretty close to where we are. Fall can be one of the best months in the world or one of the harshest months because sometimes you just don't get a fall. It's rainy and gray and ugly. And, and I think that we have just been blessed this past week with just some outstanding fall weather around here. Would you agree? Oh yeah. I was driving through Michigan actually here. Um, So I drove through Wisconsin earlier and was in the month of October. And I was like, wow, it's so pretty up here. Just beautiful trees and everything else there. And it was, the colors were turning at the right time. And then I was driving through Michigan and it was a little, then this was last week. It was a little after their kind of their prime color season there, but I still thought it was gorgeous. Yeah. It's fall. This makes me fall in love with, with um, breeding season and my goats and just, it's just perfect. If it were like this year round, I'd be a happy woman for sure. <laughs> it's just beautiful. So yeah. Head to Tucson tomorrow. So 
Exciting. Laura, we have some we, we have some pre-convention questions here for you here, just so the people know that what, right. what one of the directors is doing. Okay. What are you most excited about for being first director, first time as a director on the board of director committee? What are you excited about? Well, um, <laughs> so any of our listeners that are Hamilton fans, you know, Hamilton the music, yeah. I'm excited about being in the room where it happens, you know? <laughs> Um, I loved that last year about uh, the board of directors meeting being online and, and um, you know, I may or may not have sat at work and watched it during the day while I was working, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but to be there, you know, like in the room and, and we have so many amazing people who are part of ADGA, um, you know, who have, who have really put their whole life into helping ADGA become the premier dairy goat association. And, and I truly believe that even though we've had a really rocky year and I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it or try to deny that it's been a bad year for ADGA, but I still am proud to be part of the American dairy goat association. And I still think that um, when you look at what ADGA can offer as a whole, it's still the best association to belong to. So I'm really excited to, to get to sit in there and listen to ideas and, and hopefully make some contributions myself. And, and um, yeah, being in the room where it happens, that's what I, that's what I want to do. So um, again, to our listeners that know Hamilton, thank uh, you're welcome because now you'll get to sing that song in your head all day today. So. It, it reminds me of a quote I said last week here that one of the listeners pointed out to me here and they really liked it is nobody wants to know, or excuse me, everybody wants to eat the sausage, but they don't want to know where, how the sausage gets made. You'll be able to see how that sausage gets made, right? Yes. And I want, I, I do want to know that because I, you know, I, I feel like that there's a, there's, there's a lot that can be done. You know, I know that I am just one person and, um, probably not the smartest person in the room, but I can promise that um, I am maybe one of the most caring people in the world in the room, as far as wanting to to see things get better and improve. So it'll be exciting to be part of that. I hope. Well, I know you'll be one of the most caring people in the room and, and I, I can't wait to see what you and the other new directors and our existing directors do this week in Tucson and what updates the membership can get here. So I'm excited for y'all and I can't wait to see um, what you guys do to help continue to push this organization forward. It'll be neat to see how everything plays out. And uh, of course the, the resort is beautiful. So um, after the board of directors meeting, then my husband and my youngest daughter are going to fly out and uh, she's going to participate in the youth activities. And um yeah, so we're just going to soak up the culture a little bit, and I think it, I think it'll be a nice little getaway. So one thing I do want to mention, kind of obscure, just happened actually tonight, and I told Laura I was going to bring it up on the podcast is I got a very strange request, and if any listeners have ever heard this, let me know. Um, the person asked me, "Do I sell goats' blood for painting?" I had never heard of that before. Laura, had you? Never. Um, <laughs> other than like, well, no, it's sheep's blood. Um, what they put above the lentils for Passover, but it's not Passover. Yeah. I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm flummoxed. I have no idea. 
If any of our listeners know what they might be doing with that, feel free to message us because um, I would like to know, and I think uh, everyone would like to know for that. So weird requests happen pretty often. For painting, that's just like, did they say how much they wanted? I don't know. I mean, do, do, yeah, I don't. I don't want to know. I don't want to. I'm. I don't want to yeah. know. Yeah, that, that's a quick uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I want to know what it all entails, like the the process and everything. But I don't want to. I don't want to do it. Yeah, no. I would say no. No. Yes. All right. So we'll talk about some ad good news here. Um, again, if you have any feedback or anything to tell your directors, um, and there's something important that you want or want to present to them, uh, bring it up now. I know before my dad leaves. Um, tonight I'm going to have a conversation with him about electronic signatures because that is something that's important to me because at one point I physically didn't own a printer. So that's important to me. Electronic signatures like on, um, on paperwork so that you don't have to scan it in. Yes. Like I don't own yeah. a physical, I, I didn't own a physical printer at one time so I could do everything through like DocuSign or Adobe. And I've had documents rejected. I've had some rejected and some not at the Adga office because of it. Um, and including being able to um, sign a judge's pledge of ethics. And I was told I can't sign my judge's pledge of ethics because of the, it, it was an e-signature. So yeah, I was not too happy. Again, I don't own a physical printer. I didn't own a physical printer at the time. So it's kind of a hassle for me. Well, yeah. And I would imagine it's just one of those things that as electronics and the electronic world gets more and more common, we've got to keep stepping up with it. So that's very interesting. But yeah, anything like any ideas you have to make Adga more efficient or you ever thought, why haven't we done this? These are things that, that you know you need to bring forward to your directors. So mm -hmm. absolutely there. In addition to that, we do have the spotlight sale coming up on Saturday. So if you do want to bid on those animals, I know there are people that are transporting all throughout the country as well. Oh yeah. And I, you know, social media has good things and bad things, but I would say one of the good things as far as getting animals home is if you just decide on a whim that you want something, go ahead and put on social media. Hey, who's coming back my way that could bring some animals because there are, there are lots of options to get them, you know, even part way. And then you can find somebody else to bring in the rest of the way, but mm -hmm. don't let, don't let the concern about getting an animal home, keep you from bidding on some of these beautiful animals. Cause there are some really nice ones in the sale. Yes, absolutely. Well, very deep uh, La Mancha uh, class, or excuse me, very deep La Mancha set here, and um, a very nice Nigerian dwarf set as well. Those are two that kind of pick out for me uh, here when looking. Oh at yeah, the and it's and it's always fun whether you're sitting at home and watching it live stream um, over the internet or sitting there in person. It's always so much fun to see the excitement and see how high some of these animals go and and the excitement of the people. Uh, bidding on them. So I just, I think that's just pretty awesome. Yes, absolutely there. Um, in addition to that, Laura, it looks like Adga is still experiencing some issues with registration, the printing and uh, birth dates. I think that um, it's been fairly well publicized on Facebook uh, that they've had to manually print 
our registration certificates for a while. So that's kind of caused a delay. And, and I know that's frustrating to hear because, you know, it seems like there's two steps forward and then one step backwards. But I, I would say that with a lot of computer things, um, and definitely seems to be the the rule this year with NG that's kind of been happening that they'll get some things fixed and then something that was fixed maybe um, has a glitch again too. But one of the things um, it seems to happen, especially with transfers, just watch what the birth dates, watch what birth dates want to auto populate on um, animals and make sure that they're correct as they go through. And if they're not, uh, please get in touch with the ADGA office or with your director if you're having a hard time getting into the office because uh, they want to know about these things. It kind of helps them figure out what's wrong and why it's doing that. But more importantly, you know, we want you to get the paperwork that is imp- that is uh, correct for your animals. So um, correct. I think that's that's really important to keep in mind. Let's keep the communication open. And uh, one thing that I did discover, um, if you can call early in the day it seems to be a little bit easier to get through Uh, the last two times i've gotten through i called them like right at noon when they opened up and and got on fairly quickly so good to know good to know well speaking of facebook we do have some facebook discussions they're part of our what not segment that comes back It, it seems to be a pretty popular segment um bringing back coming back every eh, five, six, seven episodes. We talk about what's happening on the internet and whatnot. And whatnot. I always, I like that term Cameron. You've kind of brought that into my life and it fits for a lot of things. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump into some of these crazy Facebook discussions here. I know one that's kind of been um, on the charge. Here's the use of the leads, the national show um, and using them. And that's been hot. Gosh. And it seems, it seems like it, pops up its head for a while and then it doesn't. And then um, if I read things correctly, this last go round about it is what has come through from um, the Nigerian dwarf um, dairy association Mm -hmm. is really, they, they are requesting that, that these leads be able to be used. And I, as, as somebody who doesn't show Nigerians, I don't feel like I have a horse in the race, but um, I'm wondering from a judge's standpoint, Cameron, how do you kind of feel about that? Um, again, if you feel like you can adequately control your animal with said lead, go for it. Um, I want you to know, I want you to be comfortable in the ring. I want you to not hurt yourself in the ring. I've shown Nigerians before. My back was sore for about three days afterwards. Um, I understand. I get it. I don't really care. Um, as long as you're comfortable and you feel like you can show your animal off to the best advantage, I do understand that you do lose some control of that animal there as well. Um, and and I understand the public perception as well of the lead there um, again. But I, I'm all for, as a judge, do whatever the heck you want. Um, you know, there's no special... There's no special rules in my ring, except it's my world and anything goes. As I've read over the discussions, that's something that kind of popped out into my head was this discussion about control. Because I'm thinking that sometimes people feel like it was maybe a a dig against the Nigerian goat goat breeders. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to play in our ring, then you're going to have to show your goats just like everybody else does. And, and I don't think that's the case at all. I sure hope not. I would like to assume good intent, 
But I do definitely see that there could be an issue with control. And especially if the lead's too long or maybe somebody's not very skilled in using it. And I'm just picturing some of these junior Nigerian kids that uh, maybe are dam raised, don't like to be handled anyway, just running circles and uh, not standing for an exam or uh, to let the judge really get a good look at them. And, and I think it would be really important that judges could excuse an animal if they're not going to act well. But heck, I also know I've taken Alpine kids out before that acted like they've totally lost their brain and want to lay down and croak and, and act like they're, you're killing them in the ring. I kind of think I should be excused when I have animals like that too. One thing as a judge I'm going to say is if your animal isn't going to walk, it doesn't matter if it's on a lead or if on a collar or whatever. If that animal's going to not walk, that animal's going to be put at a severe disadvantage. Um, and this is strictly my judging habit here. A lot of juniors are judged on the move. There's a lot of things you need to see on the move there. The shoulders, the back legs, how they use the front legs. Is their tightness at the point of elbow? Um, are they leveled? Do they walk uphill, downhill, sideways? You know, If they don't walk correctly then that animal is going to be put at a disadvantage. And more likely than not, that animal might stand towards the back of the pack in a large Nigerian dwarf class because they don't walk well. So remember, I, you know, that that's one thing to consider there as well in the Nigerian dwarf specific. Well, not just Nigerian dwarfs. It's in general there for all breeds. Um, but again, if they're, if they're on the leash there and you can control them, go for it. But if you can't control them, that's when it becomes a problem. So do you feel like, Cameron, that we might see, if, if this goes through, um, do you feel like that we might see other breeds shown on leads also? I don't see why not. Uh, again, it's if it's up, it's in the discretion of the exhibitor in my mind. Um, you know, especially for like younger kids, I think, yeah, you definitely could. I, again, as a judge, I have no problem with it. It's your own personal prerogative. I'm just an independent contractor actor there to evaluate the animals, and that's it. Very interesting. Well, that that definitely has brought up a lot of discussion, lots and lots. Yeah. Yes, I agree on that there. Another thing that um, has kind of popped up from Facebook, I've seen some discussions asking about the whole idea of early release from the national show. Um, something that was experimented with for the first time this year. And we had that because of COVID. And I think I'm, I'm sure that is going to come up in discussion in the board of directors meeting, whether or not this is something that should be continued for the future shows. Yeah. I, I personally, I get it. You do sacrifice some stuff, some of the pomp, the circumstance there, but I love it. We live in a different world than when this national show this grand experiment called the national show was created, um, you know, back in the, what is it? 60s, 70s, 60s, right? Yeah, I think, well, wasn't there a national show back in the fifties even? Maybe. I'll I don't know. But know, it, really, yeah. I'll have to go back and look. Yeah. But we live in a different world today where people necessarily don't have, you know, maybe enough time. Maybe they're very hot. They're hobby ish dairy goat breeders and they don't, necessarily want to take off a whole week, 10 days to go to the national show. Um, and I, I think this early release theory or not theory, I think this idea encourages people to come and not stay the whole week, but get the same national show experience. A lot of people crave. 
I get it. It's not for the full five days. However, they are getting that experience. They are getting to kind of see the goats on the national scale there. And I think it just really helps pump up numbers. And when you have goats that are entered at 20 bucks a goat and they bring, you know, they leave on Monday and they pay $30 per pen and $20 per goat. Maybe they're buying five pens and they're bringing, you know, 15 goats or something like that. And it's Nigerian dwarfs, you know, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money you were potentially leaving off the table. It is. And also, you know, it used to be that that national show, you showed a breed a day. We didn't have all the breeds that we have anymore. Um, so the evenings had more time for hanging out or for going out or for sightseeing or, or it was just a, it was just a different experience. Most mm-hmm. of the time they were part of a state fair. So there were entry entry and exit limitations anyway, because you were exhibiting at their state fair. So it's just, as you said, it's a different world today than what we had. I, I know one of the arguments that's been made has to do with the Colorama sale. And Cameron, you're on that Colorama sale committee. Is that yes. something that you guys have discussed also? How to make that work if we continue to have an early release? We have not discussed any of that. I'm sure the next chairman of the Color MSL committee will have those discussions um, on that, and we'll see what happens there. Um, I personally feel like that if it could be live streamed, that doesn't change. That it really doesn't change. If somebody is interested in a Colorama sale animal, they'll either stay or they'll figure out a way to have somebody bid on it for them. But I don't. I guess I just don't see that as a compelling reason to keep people there. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing is you lose out on the spontaneity, spontaneity, and guess the thing of the whole live sale aspect. I understand that. And I get that. But again, if you want to go, you're going to go get it no matter what. I think so too. I, I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that kind of comes out of there. Um, yeah. One last thing that has gotten some discussion on Facebook um, has to do with um, elections where there's a vacant seat for um, a district and in, in my district and district five um, is one that has been brought forward this year because we do have an open seat that won't be filled until 2022. Yeah. And, and so Laura, doesn't there need to be a, a constitutional bylaw change for that? Correct. I believe so. That's what, that's what our lawyers are saying. And that's why, that's why that seat is, is going to stay vacant for now because to do anything different would be going against what's in our bylaws. And and I get that. I can understand it. I think it's unfortunate, but um, you know, there's probably a lot of things in the, in the um, constitution of bylaws that need some updating, you know, yeah, technology I was, I was, is hard I to keep up that. with. <laughs> I was just thinking that there, like, I feel like they were written, you know, obviously back in the day, back, I don't know when, the back in the day-ish, but our world has changed so much. And obviously COVID from a, just a industry across all industry perspective is what COVID did was it sped up trends that were already happening. You know, Zoom was, you know, became a household name. Everybody knows what a Zoom meeting is now. Before then, Zoom didn't, nobody knew Zoom existed. So again, we need to, and this is my opinion, and we need to update those constitution and bylaws to be in our 
um, technology-driven world that we're in today. I, I would agree with that too. That's a, that's a big job and, and maybe mm-hmm. a job that's going to have to be tackled over a little period of time. It'd be great if we could all snap our fingers and make things happen so yep. quickly. But um, one thing that I have seen in my years of ADGA is the wheels move pretty slowly. A lot of that is because it is an or, a volunteer based organization, but also um, changes need to be made with a lot of thought behind it. And sometimes that does take a little more time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree on that there. Um, Laura, ready for the main topic? Let's jump right in. Okay, what are we talking about this week? How do we kind of title this here? Those of you that listened to Beyond the Ring, they had a uh, an episode recently about, they called it their Dear Abby episode. And um, Cameron and I kind of talked about this a little bit that you know, there's a lot of advice that's given to dairy goat people, whether you're new or whether you're new into a new breed or uh, just advice that you'll get from others. And we thought maybe it'd be kind of fun to take a look at some of the advice that we've been given over the years, or we've heard other people give and uh, kind of talk about that. Um, so did yeah. I summarize it fairly well? Yeah, that works. Explain to the people that that weren't around when the Dear Abby column was invented, like myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I don't know if I was around when it was invented. I think Dear Abby, I think Abby was a um, nom de plume. I don't think that was the person's really, really their name. But um, Dear Abby was a very popular advice column that uh, a lot of it became syndicated and a lot of newspapers carried it. And I know that my grandparents always loved reading Dear Abby and we uh, read it. I'd always read it at their house and we'd talk about it, but she was a lady who supposedly had a wealth of knowledge that she shared with everybody who would write and ask. And a lot of times they were, um, you know, what should I do questions or I'm in a pickle or I've made a bad decision and how should I get out of this? So uh, dear Abby just always had a lot of great advice. And, and again, I think anybody who has dairy goats, especially if you're newer or maybe new to an area, you find out quickly that everybody has an opinion too. So uh, that's where we're going to go tonight. The good, the bad, and maybe some that you might consider or some that you might discard, but we're going to chat. Yes. Yes. My, my first, I guess, dear Abby, biggest piece of advice I got is, and I noticed it actually this weekend. It's funny. You said that it's funny. We were doing this here and it's, if you go too far, it will be noticed. And really I think about this on the fitting extreme here. Some people will take almost clipping the goats to be a, a too too much of an extreme, and then it detracts from that animal's view. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yes. And what comes to my mind, Karen, I'm thinking about mm-hmm. udders. Yeah, that's kind of where I was. I was going to talk about here. There was an animal here, and I'm not going to say which which wanted it, which goat, or who the exhibitor was, or anything there this weekend. But the udder was trimmed perfectly i mean it was it was very perfectly trimmed into a to a plain eye you'd be like wow that that rear udder it looks wide it's high there it's well attached there but when you got closer to it and you started to look at it here you could tell they were trying to hide some stuff on the animal hiding like the fact that it wasn't nearly so high or nearly so wide yeah well and it was weird because the almost the rear udder structure was like um 
it it wasn't as wide as what they thought it was going to be. It wasn't as high as that there. And it kind of, they fit it to this arch that you're looking for, that rear outer arch. So to, to a plain eye, not really studying it, you'd see the arch. But really the udder kind of almost looked, um, you know, not as wide at the top as it is at the bottom. Not oh, an A-frame, wow. but you know you know what I'm saying. Not an A-frame, right, but a little yes. wider than an A-frame. So in a way, you kind of have to admire the skill of the artiste that did that clip yes. job. But yes. then you're kind of like, uh, okay. Yes. And I think also going off the animal. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you know, sometimes it's very apparent or sometimes it's super subtle. Like that was super subtle there. And there was definitely some, some skill in that. And I, I do appreciate good craftsmanship there. Uh, but to, you know, a, a novice eye, they probably wouldn't catch it. However, one thing is as well here, it's you're going to be noticed if you're noticed in a bad way, that's never good. And generally that allows you to just be at the end of the pack or middle of the pack. Yes. Or it makes people wonder what what's being hidden and hmm, you know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of flash in the pan and not much substance behind it. Yes. Yeah, I agree on that there. So that's one thing that, you know, you don't. You want to be noticed for the good things, not necessarily the bad things. And too much can be can be a uh, too uh, not good enough. You know, Cameron, I think that that same statement holds true in um, appearance of the exhibitor. Mm-hmm. You know, I really appreciate that Adga is pretty clear in how they describe um, the approved dress or the recommended dress, especially when it comes to showmanship kids, you know, it talks about a brown or white or, you know, is it brown or white belt or, you know, a a solid color belt. You don't want shoes that are detracting. You don't want clothing that detracts. And I think that you can go very far in the clothing that you choose to wear. You know, I'm thinking like the obnoxiously blingy belts and, you know, crazy hairstyles and things that really draw attention to you as an exhibitor. I think that you can go way too far on that sometimes to the point that it's detrimental from your animal. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree on that there. And again, what are you there to show the goat? You're there to show off yourself. Right. But, and I don't think that I don't, I, I, I would say that probably sometimes people think that if the exhibitor is eye catching, that that will make the judge look at their animal, maybe give them a little more eye time in the ring. But I doubt that it really works that way. I've put, I've put pretty girls last. I've put pretty girls first. Um, the only pretty girls I'm looking at though are the goats. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a solid statement there, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Laura, what's your, what's your uh, top of your first advice there? Well, um, one of them is something that, I had been told a long time ago and, and it was basically that if you wanted to be serious in the show ring, especially on, um, you know, a more national level that you really, it's a numbers game. You have to have a large enough herd to do really well on a large level. What do you think about that? It's a struggle. It it truly is there again. Cause you talk about, I remember back to one of our, our, first ish podcast and we were like well what constitutes a breeding program and what's your breeding program is a breeding program 10 goats or is a breeding program one goat with a really good plan um you know what's what's your breeding program there um so because of that 
Um, I, I think that to be successful and it depends whatever you want to be successful in is your success measured in the amount of purple ribbons you win because only one goat wins those and you really only need one. Right. Yes. True. Or, or is it to win all those group classes at a national show or is it, you know, have cl- multiple class winners, you know, that that's the thing. It's whatever you define as good. That's how you're going to do that there. But I am not, I, I don't think this statement's true. Um, Cause I think you can have a bunch of goats and be good. I think back to some of the herds that, that stand out in people's minds forever is successful. Redwood mm-hmm. Hills is one. Um, Willow run back in the day is another. Yep. And those were two herds that had lots of animals. Mm-hmm. And in some, and in some ways, you know, when you have a huge herd like that, you have, it's just a numbers game as far as being able to pick out more animals that are competitive. Um, you have a greater chance of having animals maybe that are competitive. No, I think from a, a numbers perspective, I think, and this is a crazy idea. And I've really thought about this here. You have to get big to get small, especially when you're working with a lot of different lines in your herd. So you've got to be able to yeah. determine which lines you want to play with in your herd there. But to do that, you have to have a large sample size. Right. So for for small breeders like myself, because, you know, I don't have the property, I don't have the time, I don't have the sanity or insanity, I guess, to do a large herd at this point in my life. <laughs> um, so then you have to find other ways to, to do that same thing. And, and in some ways, maybe that is selling animals to other people that you can still keep an eye on and see how they work out in their herds. Because that's, that's something that I've learned that I really enjoy doing. But um, I I would agree with you, Cameron, that that is not necessarily a valid piece of advice, or not always valid, because I think I think that we have seen small herds who've been really competitive on a national level too. One small story, I'll, yeah. One story I'll tell you is that we we brought there was a year for the national show. We brought maybe like four or five Lamanches there. Um, you know, didn't really know what to expect or anything there. We had some nice ones here, but we only brought one milker um, and, and and four kids. And we had junior national champion La Mancha and we had senior national champion La Mancha there. Um, and we only had one milker La Mancha. So our joke that year was, well, it only takes one to win. And that's true. Oh, that had to have been fun. It was definitely different. And, and you know, it doesn't. And if you think about it as well there, we didn't win any of the premier breeder, premier exhibitor stuff, but our buck that had four daughters there was premier sire of the national show. So again, it, it you know, that premier sire's got a little bit of more of a crapshoot and more of a numbers game too. However, in that case, it wasn't a numbers game. His daughters were just that good, I guess. That is so cool. Yeah, that would, but, but that I, would be I, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You get a lot of weird looks. <laughs> I bet so. And they're like, "Who the heck? What? How'd they do that?" Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, okay, what's another piece of advice for you, Cameron? Oh, I remember I was riding out with a, a big name breeder here. Um, my when I was seventeen, my senior going to my senior year of high school, one of the national show. My dad was judging the national show. We were driving out there. Um, and we got pulled over um, <laughs> for speeding. And what they had done is they had asked the driver, I won't say who this person is, but 
and I know they don't listen, but you might know the story if you're familiar with it, is they asked the driver to get out of the vehicle because they had to look up her trailer insurance, I think, or something like that um, for, for that. And I was just freaking out. I was like, oh my God. And like, she sat in the police car with the guy as he looked it up on the, on the thing. And I was like, oh my God, is, is uh, my driver, is she, is she going to like get arrested? Am I going to have to drive this truck and trailer? What's happening? Oh my God. And I had never pulled a truck and trailer at that point in my life. And I told the person and we got it. We kind of got out of that situation there. Um, and, and have been fine there and just got off with a speeding ticket or speeding warning. However, um, what the person told me after that, when I told her about how I was freaking out about that, I may have to drive this. She just told me the greatest advice, just drive and the trailer will follow. I think that's great advice. Most yeah, of the time. Most. Yep. Yeah, I get it. It's a little more complicated, when you're backing up or you're got a gooseneck or something like that, I much prefer goosenecks over bumper hitches, but that's for another story there. But, um, I just, just drive. I mean, just drive and the trailer will follow. So, um, I'm going to make an admission here. I've okay. never pulled a goose. I've never pulled a gooseneck. Okay. Ever. Okay. So I, I have, I do not have a valid opinion on what's easier. I can tell you though, it is helpful to have an idea of what your limitations are in pulling mm -hmm. trailers because everybody has them and pride should not be a reason not to ask somebody to back up for you. You know, if, if you don't feel like you can handle it, I, anybody who's been around shows with me knows that, that I have no problem at all saying, Hey, are you a good backer? Can you move my trailer for me? Cause I am not very good at it. Maybe someday I will be, but uh, that's a future goal of mine, I guess. Joe Brown. Joe Brown's the man. <laughs> Joe Brown? Yes. <laughs> Chuck Peterson backed my trailer the first national show I went to by myself. So, um, you know, there's there's always those guys who are heroes and uh, sure don't mind doing that for you. So um, I appreciate it greatly. Um, Jessica Krause is a great backer too. So if, if you're in the Midwest and Joe Brown's not around, uh, find Jessica. She'll, she'll do you a good job. So Laura, what's, what's your next biggest thing? Dear Abby advice. Well, this is one that you put on our list, but I definitely agree with it. You can always take milk out, but you <laughs> can't put it back in. That's the truth. <laughs> that is the truth. And, uh, you know, that's something that I think any goat exhibitor learns after a while is, uh, you know, it's always better to let them utter up a little bit more than you think you should, because you're in a world of hurt if, if you can't. I mean, you can take some out right before you go in the ring, but if you take too much out earlier, you're screwed. Yeah, I, I yes, I, I like you could. I, we say this a lot at goat shows all the time. We're like, you think we need to take some out? And I'll just look at my dad, or I'll look at Catherine, and Catherine will be like, "You can take milk out, but you can't put it back in." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because when my biggest concern, threat, sanity-driven thing is that I, I feel like if I take some milk out, and maybe it's two, three hours before the hypothetically show. I feel like they won't make that milk back. Do you feel ever feel that? Yeah, I don't think they usually do. I mean, there's there. I, I wish that I 
was a scientific enough person that I could say, okay, after X number of hours before they show what you take out is not going to be replaced in there. Um, but I don't know. I don't know that point net yet. So if some of our listeners do, that'd be a great public service thing to share with everybody. <laughs> or maybe that's one of those proprietary things that you don't want to share with anybody. But um, definitely there, there's a point where if you take it out, you're just, you're not going to take it out anymore. I mean, they're, they're not yeah. going to make it back up, even if it is three hours before you show again. Yeah. I, I never, I never know. I never know. There, and there's no like secret formula too. And like, you, I just use, it just, it frustrates the heck out of me um, when they don't make that milk back or they keep making that milk back. And then you're like, just like, Oh honey, I'm so sorry. You know, um, and get pulling my North Dakota accent out. Oh, you know, sorry. I'm so sorry, honey. But, um, <laughs> what, but there almost is a point where there's too much milk and then you get roachy in the top line. You get your ang your legs on your rear, your le uh, rear leg angulation goes to heck. Sometimes they break down on their pastern and you're like, Oh, I don't know. Do I want, and at what point, Laura, I don't know. I don't know if there's an answer to this. Do you sacrifice the rear utter height for levelness of top? Oh gosh, that is such a hard question. Because <laughs> at the back, on the back side of that question, then too is that question of utter health. Mm -hmm. You don't want your animal. You don't want. I mean, these are sweet, loving animals. You don't want them to be in pain. You don't want mm -hmm. them. You don't want to hurt their production. You don't want to to cause them. You know to be. In, in pain in the show ring. So I, I think all of that, that goes in there. I think I would, if you try to look at points wise, I'd rather have an animal that has decent hind leg angulation and has a good top line and isn't popped out at the stifle joint. than maybe a little higher rear udder that you get from, you know, having that full udder. Cause it mm -hmm. seems like to me, most of the goats, when you start taking milk out, you lose it in that rear udder height and fullness. Yep. Yep, I would wholeheartedly. That's that's the first thing that goes there, but then you throw in the next thing, which is okay. What about texture? You know. Well, right. Yes, and I think you know, as a judge, you have a have more of a valid opinion on this than I do. But I think it would be difficult as a judge to really crack down on utter texture and over uttering. Because you yeah. know that every time you excuse an animal to go milk out, that's delaying your show that much longer. And, um, you know, it, it makes it a challenge. But on the other hand, I really feel like until animals start being uh, penalized for over uttering, we're going to see it happen more and more. And who the, the problem, and this is, we can get off on this tangent, which is perfectly fine. The problem with over uttering is you don't, necessarily know that animals over uttered as a judge because you didn't see it you know you didn't see that they taped the animal up at 36 hours or 36 hours before the show ring or 48 hours or maybe they were milk hadn't been milked in seven days you don't know that or maybe they didn't get milked out the day uh for the first show or excuse me they got they didn't get milked out for the first uh show after the first show so they just rolled right, right. Into the they just left the show. them Yes. Yeah, oh. you as a judge, you don't know that. Again, and but you and it and it's hard to tell. And it's like, okay, you can you can definitely tell when some animals are over uttered based on the texture and whatnot, but there's other 
But sometimes the texture of the udder is so bad, you don't even know if it's over-uttered or if it's just a bad textured mammary system. Right. And the animals, maybe the, maybe they just don't produce very well and they yeah. don't really act different. And, and you just, yeah, you don't know. I think it's just one of those things that as an, as an animal breeder and as, a, as an exhibitor, you just have to keep in mind that balance between utter health and presenting your animal at the very best that they are and go forward from there. Eventually it's going to come out if your animal doesn't milk anything. And, and in order to get them to look like a winner, you have to really uh, push that utter beyond where you should have to do it, you know, to get them to look right. That's what I think. Yeah. But yeah. Laura, Laura, I'm going to go. There's a lot to that. Yes, there is a lot. There's even more to unpack there, but um, we're going to move along because we could probably spend a whole episode unpacking that one there. <laughs> um, I think but, we need to have a guest to talk about utter health sometime. Ooh, I think that'd yeah. be a good topic to explore. Yes, it would. Um, that being said, Laura, I'm going to steal one of yours as well because I because I think it's a good thing to talk about and I like it. If you want to know how to improve your herd, look at the goat in front of you. I think that's true. So that came from one of my daughters that came from one of my daughters and um, the, the discussion that came along with that was, is that true or maybe not true? Because I think where you live might, or what your competition is, that may affect whether it's a valid point. Laura, for you and I, it's not true for other people. It is true because American Alpines get thrown in with French Alpines. And yeah. if you want to keep your herds French and American, well, I guess if you want to keep your herds French, we really can't look at American herds who might be beating us, for example. Yeah. Okay. I would see that's, that. That's why it's not true for in all cases, but in some cases it is true because they, you know, if you, repeatedly get beaten by the same herd they probably have something that you don't have and it's something that you need in order to improve upon yourselves there so i i always i think this is true 75 to 85 percent of the time there also it also comes back into knowing what your bloodlines are too because you know i know if if i'll pick on um the alpines here i know if i take i take you know something that's not in line bred on any of my purebred Alpine stuff. And it's a total outcross. I know that goat's not going to be it as well there, even if it was in front of me in the national show. Yes, I, I would agree with that. You kind of have to have, as you said, that knowledge of what you're doing and what your bloodlines are. Um, and again, what your goals are. If your goal is just to win at, at a very local level, beating the animal that's right in front of you might, might be enough, but you kind of have to have that picture in your head. So I don't know. I I don't know that I totally agree with that piece of advice. I don't think I do. I I think it can give you something to shoot for. Yes. Yeah. Gives you a goal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think so. But I like it though. I do. I do like the quote. I don't know which one of it was. Maybe it was Steven or something. I don't know. Steven's Steven's all right. (laughs) Um, but that is a great quote there and a good piece of advice there i think there's pros and cons to it there but it's 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 great there so 
I one of my very favorites that is one that I picked up from our our good friend Kurt Schnipke this year. You should call until you cry. Oh, that makes me sad, Laura. That this was well, it makes episode. me sad too. But I want to say something about that. I mean, I really did a lot of heart heartfelt thinking about that. And uh, my daughter, Madeline, was told me that we need to add this to our list tonight because she said, you know what, mom, selling a certain dough that she sold that was her dough. And um, she was a beautiful dough. She was an SGCH. She, uh, I mean, to, to, she clicked all the boxes, you know, of an animal that is an outstanding animal. But she needed to go for some reasons. And she said that was one that was hard to sell. And, you know, there was some, there were some tears shed over her, but she said, I think, I think selling those animals that we'd held on to for so long made our herd jump forward. Very, you know, a lot, it made a lot of improvement in our herd. So I would say, even though that's a sad quote, uh, thank you, Kurt Schnipke for, for saying that and that has definitely made a difference in my herd Mm -hmm. yeah i agree on that so my next one was given to me at a judges training conference when i was 17 years old a now senior at good judge he has reached the promised land at advanced judging status i do believe he looks over to me and he says cameron you don't want big old floppy titties he just turns to me out of the blue and says, you don't want big old floppy titties. And I was like, what? And as I've gotten older and I've judged more, I'm like, you're right. You don't want you big don't. old floppy titties. <laughs> well, that's one good way to put it, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> And on the goat side of it all, I mean, look at the scorecard. Memory attachment of the memory systems were so much more points there. And after seeing goats that have swing bags, floppy titties, floppy titties, yeah, we can say floppy titties. There, you're like, okay. And generally, the floppy titties correlates with the rest of the goat. I, I can see that. Well, uh, talk about a succinct and interesting way to summarize. Uh, the ADGA scorecard, you know, forget about form following function or things like that. Just, just avoid those floppy titties and you'll be doing great. Oh, yes. yes. I'm going to remember that one. Yeah, it was, it was definitely the highlight of 17 year old Cameron's TC <laughs> with the wonderful level of maturity that he was then. Did you laugh? Oh, of course. I And the whole group laughed and they just kind of looked at us and everybody was sorting goats. And first I was kind of in shock that he would say that, but I was like, oh, okay. Like as I've gotten to know this judge a little better, like this makes sense. Well, and perhaps uh, our listeners who might be sitting for their license the first time, just keep this uh, good advice in mind. Yes. As you're placing yes. your classes, right? Yes, just remember that. You don't want big old floppy titties. <laughs> well, one of the quotes that my daughters brought forward was that fat is the prettiest color. Yes, it is. Have you heard that one before? Yes, I have. It does cover a lot of sins. It, it does. And I, I think about it from this weekend 
judging and I was like, okay, well there's fat covering the front end assembly and she's court real coarse there. And she hi- it hides that point of elbow. It's sticking out, um, you know, or it hides that stifle joint from popping there. Um, you know, it does, it hides a lot. It does. But I also think that as, as judges, it's really important that you can see beyond that. And sometimes conversely, uh, you might have an animal that, that doesn't look great, but with maybe 20 or 30 more pounds on them um, really could come together in, and be a contributor in your herd. Cause I know that I've seen that before. Yeah, I agree. Just getting some weight on some goats there. Um, but I do think um, fat does a good job and also hair. It does hide some problems as well. I I would see that too. I'm glad that dairy goats though are shown slick sheared because I don't think I could do the whole fake hair thing and putting them in a cooler box and um, all the sculpting and the trimming that goes on with some other types of livestock that would be a little bit challenging with dairy goats. Yeah. Yeah. I, I much prefer the slick shear method of it as well there. And remember that if you do, if you do have some goats that are a little finer boned hair actually might be your friend. I will say that. Yeah, I think so too. My next piece of advice here. um, I think I'm out of them. I think I'm out of them here. Laura, why don't we just finish yours? Cause I got one that I want to round off with here. How about this one? This will be my last one to throw out here. Okay. Okay. You have to look at the whole goat rather than just certain parts. And I think that's, I think that's a valid bit of advice. Cause I know that for me, it's really easy to get uh, hooked on a certain body part or a certain category, especially something that I know that I want to, to improve on sometimes to the exclusion of other things in the goats, you know, um, like I'm a, I'm a neck girl. I love a long lean neck and those real stylish, fancy looking does. But I've also learned that, that you can go too far with that to get an animal that's frail and not very correct. So, um, you know, I, I always have to, rely on other people. Sometimes that's through judges. Sometimes that's appraisers. Sometimes it's my own daughters or good friends who will sit, sit me aside and say, you know, Laura, this looks really good in your herd, but you are missing the forest because you're concentrating on just a few trees here. You have to look at the whole animal and this needs some improvement. You can let this little bit go to gain some in another area. So that's, that's a piece of advice that I try to keep in mind. Yeah, that's a really good one. And I think, you know, the the sum of the parts, you know, you get so focused on fixing one thing in your herd and that's all you breed for. Maybe it's more milk or more rumps, but then you lose other things as well there. You might lose strength or front end assembly or all sorts of stuff there. So it's a really good thing there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Cameron, give us your clothes out here. Yeah. So, um, recently, um, a really, uh, a goat friend passed away this week and it's really not, it's, you know, I'll just come out and say, that. I've been kind of tore up about it. I just, I had seen her in September. We had a great time at the sandwich fair. Um, and it just, it, it, it tore me up seeing that. And it, I've really reflected on it all, um, her life and our friendship and the, the many memories she gave my family 
and countless 4-Hers in the state of Wisconsin and Northern Illinois and all the people that she really touched. So one piece of advice I'm going to say here, knowing this here and Barb Nylons, may she rest in peace. Um, may she be drinking. She's probably up there making Kahlua right now. Um, but remember that goats <laughs> come and go, um, but friends don't. So cherish your friends. That's all I'm going to uh, say. Yeah. I'm kind of getting emotional thinking about it here. Um, yeah. I think that's the perfect ending for our podcast this week, Cameron, because, um, you know, looking forward to seeing some deer goat friends at the Adia convention. Um, and especially getting to spend every week with, with you and with our listeners. Cause I feel like that, um, all of us have kind of gotten a good friendship going over this past year that, that a uh, goat gab brought forward too. So um, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Listeners always thank you for joining us this week, a little uh, different uh, pace here, but a good episode nonetheless. Um, if you like us, tell a friend, if not, give us some feedback Buy our shirts. You can find them on our Facebook page as well. Don't be afraid to like our Facebook page and connect with us on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, drop us a review, a comment if you're so inclined. And thanks for joining us this week. Have a wonderful week. We'll look forward to, to uh, hearing from you and talking with you again next week. <laughs>